Hello and welcome to another episode of What If It's Cool, the show where we talk about anything and everything that is cool in the world today. I am, of course, the Doctor of Love of the cast, Daniel Porco. With me is the Doctor Feel Good of the cast, Ben. And lastly, and least, the Doctor of Thugonomics, Tim. How are we, boys? Why am I Doctor Phil? Why am I Doctor of Thugonomics? Damn, I thought you guys were going to laugh at that one. Wait, wait, was that, was was that, that it? Was that the joke? Yeah, that was the joke. Oh, okay. Sorry. Right. Missed that line. Yeah. But yeah, try harder next time. It was yeah, good. Yeah. 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 Is that crickets? <sighs> I think I saw some tumbleweed flying past here. Yeah. Wow. I thought I was, go- I thought I was going to be on a winner with that one. Top crowd. I really. Yeah, it's, just, it's all because before we before we started, I said, you guys are going to laugh. And he said, no, we're purposely not going to laugh at this, Dan. You, you know, you're not funny. Yeah, right. Uh, Was that a dig at me saying that you don't like John Cena? <laughs> I didn't even think of that. <laughs> I, just, I just, I just thought, I just um when I when I was thinking of the joke, I was just like, uh, you know, I was trying to go with the whole music feels like Doctor Love, obviously, because I love Kiss. Doctor Feelgood, because you know. Bear Boys thinks he's feeling good. And um, you know, I was like, I can't think of anything funny enough than, you know, like, what can I bring it back to? I'm like, oh, yeah, he loves John Cena. Why not? Bang. It but, doesn't but, even but make I, sense. But I, didn't, but I didn't think, I didn't think it was like it was a dig at you. I was just thinking, oh, yeah, what what, what, what can I possibly put him in? <laughs> oh, oh, man, that, that tumbleweed. Wow. It's making quite the journey. Yeah, I know. The crickets are pretty loud here as well. Tough crowd. Must be COVID. It's a real, so sh- real symphony of those crickets, isn't it, Ben? <laughs> yep. Yeah, I know. <sighs> you guys What's happening suck today? as friends. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Anyway, uh, so today we're having another one of our classic versus battles. Today it is The Thing, the John Carpenter's uh, version uh, from 1982. And the 2011 remake, and this is one that we've come to know and love. I mean, Ben, you were the one who introduced me to um, the thing way back in 2010, I believe. And just, wow. But in saying that, um, can you give us a brief introduction as to uh, as to the story of um, the John Carpenter's version? Yeah, sure. So the movie itself was also a remake of a 1950 movie. So I think it was 1951. I think it was called The Thing from Another World. And the movie starts in Antarctica. So the opening shot is from outer space. And then you see a helicopter chasing a husky. And the helicopter is just... um, The people in the helicopter are shooting at this husky. And they're speaking in Norwegian. And then it comes across some Americans um, shooting all that stuff. And as the Norwegians were shooting at the husky, um, the Americans tried to protect the husky and they accidentally kill... I wouldn't say accidentally, they kill the Norwegians and blow up the helicopter as well. So what happens afterwards is that they realize that the, um, that the husky is not normal. It's actually a, an alien of some sort and that can actually take the form of anything it touches and consumes it. And what happens afterwards is that it takes the form of one of the members of the Antarctic base. And what happens next is almost like a slasher movie in that everyone else, you don't know who the thing is or the so-called alien, that that's what they call it, the thing. 
and any one of those could be an alien. So you get a bit of like a cabin fever um, sort of scenario that everybody is suspicious. There's a lot of, yeah, everyone's suspicious of one another. There's also a lot of distrust. And you as a viewer are also guessing who could possibly be that alien. And um, yeah, that's pretty much the movie. I won't ruin who is the thing in that. Um, there's a lot of jump scares and there's also a lot of situations where you would not would have not seen coming and a lot of re- reveals that you wouldn't have seen coming either well let's be honest if you have if you've not watched this movie stop this podcast now go watch it it's a classic you know we'll always be here just go watch it spend another hour and a half and then come back and listen to this because this is a doozy of a film seriously so boys what was your first impression of john carpenter's the thing loved it just straight up loved it. I I think I saw this roughly around the same time as you both. I uh, might have I I don't know what I don't know what it was. I don't know why I decided to watch it, but maybe because I've seen, you know, the other John Carpenter films, so Big Trouble in Little China, Escape from New York, and also Halloween. This is the one that I, I hadn't yet watched. And Kurt Russell and John Carpenter had had such a such a great partnership doing movies, and I thought I'll give this a go, and it definitely just blew my mind. I I could not believe that it had taken me so long to see this. It was it was it was brutal. It was gory. It was all the things that I like in a horror film. Uh, it it also had really incredible practical effects, which is something that we'll 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 discuss soon. But just. The, the creativity behind it it is it is so amazing that that this movie was made but i don't think i don't think there have been there have been as many movies like that with that that level of body horror mm, i agree with that one my first impressions of it i remember only seeing the spider league head in a article um from empire magazine don't know if that's even still around anymore hey i used to read empire as well yeah, it was, is it is this is is this still around? I I don't know. It was it was years ago when I read it, but yeah, I remember having a there was like a little booklet that came with one issue of Empire, and it was like a hundred movies you must see. That's the one. Die. That's the and one. And this this was actually in it, and I remembered seeing like because it, it was it was a really great little booklet because you know it'd give you a summary to tell you everything as to why they they included it in this list. But also, uh, it, it would include maybe quotes and some facts about the film. Yeah, I don't remember. I don't remember the the particular facts that they said about this one. But I just, yeah, I remembered seeing that it was included. I was like, okay, look, I'll have to, I'll have to watch this. And I, I think up to now, I've probably only seen like maybe a third of the movies in that booklet. But um, I'm lucky. I'm lucky if I see fifteen of them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there was that there was that issue but there was another issue which was like the most pause moments in uh you know in movie history it's like one was like um the demon's face in exorcist next one was jamie lee curtis's um, nude scene in um trading places it's trading places right yeah i think trading places yeah trading places the one with eddie murphy and uh, dan Aykroyd. yeah um and and then this was like number three and it was just the spider legs and i was just like what the hell are the kind of a movie is this, you know? And I read the little <laughs> quote. It's like, oh, okay. I'm probably not going to watch that. I was at that point in my life. I was, I think I was 14, 15. Um, and I was just to- so scared of movies like that. I was like, I'll never touch it. And then finally, you know, Ben came into my life and he was saying, you know, 
oh, you got to watch this movie. You know, you like John Carpenter? Like, yeah. And yeah, because like, he knew I loved um, Escape the Escape from New York, Escape from LA, uh, Halloween. So he's like, if you can watch that, you can watch this. I'm like, all right. And then finally I got it, and it's like, whoa. My biggest um, fear with this movie was, the, you know, when the dog starts to turn and he starts spraying the other dogs with that liquid and i was just like oh my god is that acid what, what, what's he spraying with and I, I i had to turn it off i, I could I, I just couldn't get through that scene and i'm ashamed to admit this i actually had to get my mum to come with come and watch it with me because i was so scared of that bit i uh i wouldn't do that now but i was just like back then you know i was really scared i don't know man i i still reckon i still reckon you're a big scaredy cat yeah you got nothing to say about that, so it must be true. <laughs> All right, Ben. Well, why don't you say what your first things were? Uh, okay. Well, similar to you guys, I think, like, I, I loved watching horror movies in my teens, and this came... I found out about this actually through a through an ad on SBS. SBS, for those that don't live in Australia, is just it's just one of those channels that that has a lot of foreign movies, a lot of cult classics, and a lot of uh, a lot of movies that show a lot of skin. And I think that we must have, yeah, especially on a Friday night. Yeah, ba- <laughs> yes. <laughs> so yeah, basically, basically films. every 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 high school boy's <laughs> introduction to porn. Basically, free. <laughs> exactly. Yes, French foreign films. So. I remember it in high school. The guys, this guy. You, hey man, did you watch? Did you watch SBS the other night? There's this. There's this movie on called Jamon Jamon. It's the best. Jamon Jamon. I have, I still haven't seen it, but yeah, sure. Believe me, I'm I'm pretty sure that tape was circulating. <laughs> the one movie that comes to mind was a movie called the The Tit and the Moon, and I was no, just no, like, no. Oh. I've, got, I've, I've got another one. The Weather Woman movies. <laughs> the Weather oh, Woman. Man. Yeah. yeah, man. Wow. Talk about nostalgia. Uh, yeah, that, yeah. SBS though. SBS definitely, definitely one of the best channels to watch international films. Exactly. Jet Li, Jackie Chan. That's the reason why I was watching SBS, not because it was my gateway sure into, was. into the human body, but I watched. So that was when I was first introduced to it. And yeah, I loved everything about it. The claustrophobia, the, the setting that it was in Antarctica and they were going through a long winter and they can't leave the base and there was no help coming in. So there was that whole whole tone and theme of just hopelessness and everybody, or, there's no trust amongst anybody. And I just love that whole concept that anybody could be the thing. Yeah, you find out later on that that it can take on any take on any person's form, and mm. yeah, most of the time, yeah, I say it's like a slasher movie because you're kind of guessing who who the killer is. But the fact is, it's just not one killer; it could be many because the thing can take on many people and many people's shapes. So that's what I liked about it. An incredible sense of paranoia throughout mm. the entire film as well, and it just keeps it, it just keeps escalating. Uh, there was there was a scene just after the dog had revealed itself to be the thing, and one of the characters is questioning uh, that really rugged dude Clark, just yeah. asking him how long he'd been with the animal, the dog. Mm. He said, "I don't know, maybe one hour, maybe an hour and a half." And he's like, "Why? 
And just from that moment, like it then picks up and then it just keeps building and building until it gets right through to the end. And that, that sense of paranoia is just, oh, like, how do you, how do you recreate that? Yeah. And I think that like like you were saying Ben the setting is is probably what was key. It they were very isolated. They're just in this this research institute in the Antarctic. And even the even the way that the camera works, you know, there were I, I noted that there were scenes where the camera would just sort of track through the entire base and it would just be empty hallways, empty rooms, and yeah, you know, you got that real sense of of being alone and uh just stuck in this area and yeah well add the paranoia and of course yeah just all all the ingredients are ripe for for a great horror film and i love the fact that there's no real good guys in the movie you sure you probably could say that oh hey whoever's not the thing is the good guy but the fact is all these people are so paranoid that they're also accidentally killing innocent people as well so they get it wrong sometimes in that movie and i think that's what i like about it because they were so paranoid that yeah hey i don't want to be that so they start acting out on other people Hmm. well let's let's just delve into a little bit of the cast i mean we already talked that we had kurt russell but we also have the absolutely great keith david um one of my favorite actors and this time i got his name right unlike last time um (laughs) Ben, if you'd mentioned to me that Keith David was in, I probably would have watched this, you know, straight away instead of waiting those, those few those few months before I had the guts to start watching it. Because I, I think, I th- absolutely think he's awesome. I mean, the guy was Goliath in Gargoyles. Like, how could you go wrong with a guy like that? Um, we have uh, T.K. Carter, David Clennon, Richard Dysite, Charles Helen, uh, sorry, Helen Han. I don't know if I'm saying it right. Peter Maloney, Richard Mosher, I think it is. Uh, Donna Moffat, Joel Polis, and Thomas Waits. Guaranteed I probably stuffed up all those names because I can't read. But, you know, the cast is just is stacked. I don't think anyone sort of misses a beat on that, don't you, don't you reckon? Uh, sure. I only know Kurt Russell and Keith David in that whole lineup. <laughs> yeah, to be we honest, don't, I don't, we, don't, I don't, we don't really. Yeah. I just want to give props to the guys who may not, you know, may not be that famous because, you know, like they worked hard in this film, and I, I think everyone did a really good job. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, hundred percent. Just being honest, it, it, I, I don't, I don't recognize any of the names that you read out. So yeah, only, only probably because I read David them out. Kurt wrong. Russell. Uh, yeah, and I'm pretty but... sure you pronounced it wrong as well. But... Yeah, let's uh, talk about the most important thing because this obviously was made in the '80s, and um, the special effects on this one, I don't think they've dated. To be honest, I think they're still, with the exception of like the one one bit when um, you know they they're all tied up and then the guy gets eaten like that. You can clearly see it's a it's a stuffed doll that's um being eaten. Other than that, I think that I think the this uh, the special effects really hold up. I mean, the sound alone, just like when they when they're doing the autopsy, I still cringe at that, and uh, and that's what you live for to have a film like that. When, when if the if the sounds make you cringe, that's a that's a great great uh, movie right there. Yeah, definitely. I think a lot of the a lot of the squelching, the the screams inter intermingled with like a roar when the creatures make their noises, the very very haunting, and definitely very memorable i think with the special effects particularly the 
particularly the prosthetics, the animatronics, the, that really that really is the benchmark for this type of horror. If you're gonna if you're gonna do anything like this, then yeah, definitely referencing the thing is is gonna be is is gonna well or aiming for, to be like the thing. That's probably worthy of targeting. The there was one thing that I watched fairly recently where it was quite similar to the thing and with the whole body horror, especially like with tentacles and all that sort of jazz flying around. What was that? DC Swamp Thing. Oh yeah. Yeah. So there was very an good example. Very there was very an autopsy good. Autopsy scene in in that, and I think it was in the first episode. Freaking horrific. I can't remember. And and it looked so much like the thing, and I I. It was awesome. Like, if you want to draw someone in, like, yeah, try and evoke that sort of stuff. And I think that's that's one thing that sticks with me. And like you were saying, Dan, I definitely think that it has aged well, because I don't I don't think there's much much in the way of recent cinema that does this. No, well, yeah, well, nothing nothing comes to mind. I mean, is there any monster movie that's come out in the last ten years that's even done anything remotely like that? In what sense? Um, I mean, <laughs> in terms of these practical effects and practical, it's they, they call it Love Lovecraftian because these creatures, these creations that they've got in it, you can't really describe them. They're they're grotesque, they're horrific, you know. And uh, there, there's there's very little way that you can talk about it. I mean, of course, that you, you can say, well, yeah, the dude's head separated from the body while it was emitting this ghostly roar. And mm. the head ended up sprouting legs and crawling around like a spider. <laughs> and when you describe it to someone, like that, they'll just think this is bloody ridiculous. But yeah, but when you see it, it it, it is oh, that image just stays with you, and you think this is bloody amazing. I think the only one that can come to mind that has that sort of thing, but it's not a but it's not a movie or TV show. Uh, it's probably um, Stranger Things, particularly the first season when the oh, I can't even. It was dem. Demo Garden or whatever. The whatever Demogorgon. The, Demogorgon, sorry. That was very horrific. But, I mean, that's the only thing that remotely comes close. I can't think of anything. There was a director that was uh, famous for this type of work. I think his name was Cronenberg. Cronenberg. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Peter Cronenberg. No, Dave, David Cronenberg. Oh, sorry. David Cronenberg. <laughs> um, David Cronenberg. He was the one who did um, The Fly, right? The yes. Goldberg. Gold Bloom and yes. scanners as well. And scanners. Oh, did he do scanners? Yeah. yeah. That, but he's, he's, that... he's done some um, great movies lately as well. He did a adaptation of A History of Violence, and he's also did Eastern Promises. So both movies have Vigo Mortensen in them. So really mm. worth a watch. Yeah. So I think a lot of his '80s movies were a lot of body horror type of films as well and yeah oh, the fly, to... just that still gives me nightmares that that movie i think rick and morty did a reference of that as well you cronenberg did so there was an episode <laughs> yeah, the, everything. the cronenberg universe yeah yeah <laughs> that's right um well that, that, that i mean that's that's that just show you that a lot of uh carpenter's movies can like a i, th- I still think new, new york is still relevant to this day like it's like it still holds up thing is definitely up there halloween definitely but like escape from la not so much big trouble dude big big, big trouble, trouble in China. big trouble 
Wait. The the, the <laughs> Choose no, your no, no, words no. very carefully here. <laughs> the only problem I have with, with Big Trouble, and they finally rectified it, was the ending. If you're big on comic books, they, they continued on from the story. And I was just like, why is there no sequel? Like, that's that's the only hurdle I have with, with Big Trouble, that there's no sequel. And finally we get, we're getting, well, well, well we got a, um, a, a new conclusion with the comic book series. So that's all I'm going to say about that. It went nowhere. We need to talk about Big Trouble in Little China because I'm picking that that one's probably my favourite, but uh, you can you can call BS on that, Dan, because we did talk about favourite Carpenter movies. Yes, but, we did. Uh, either I said, did I say The Thing or did I say Big Trouble? Big Trouble. I think it, yeah, it flip-flops around, but The Thing you is said, a very you, close you said, second to You me. said that um, it always it always flip-flops, but usually you, you go with Big Trouble um, just because mm. the the wackiness of it all. But for, for me, it's always going to be Escape. I love I love Escape from New York. Uh, anyway, anyway, this is not this is not a John Carpenter, this is not a John Carpenter uh, episode like full episode. So that's all right, man. We got we got all the time in the world. Just quickly, Ben, what's your favorite uh, Carpenter movie? Oh, The Thing, for sure. Okay. Easy. That's why you asked me to talk about it, right? <laughs> Sorry, you were the one who who suggested this. I, I I just went okay. That sounds like a good idea. You know, I want I I haven't seen the remake, so why not? Hence my favorite movie. <laughs> all right <laughs> jeez well that's the that, that's pretty much how we're going to talk about which one is the thing now we're going to move on to 2011's remake which was by the same company it, it, it was by universal as well i didn't know much about this i just i just heard it was a remake and it's got the girl from uh scott pilgrim versus the world tim can you just give us a brief summary i'm hoping it's a i hope you know it's just short because we're talking yeah. too much <laughs> well the short the short of it is it's essentially the same movie so rather than having the rather than having a dog uh, being chased through the the being chased through the snow by a helicopter this one opens with similar similarly stunning cinematography and um you know sim- stunning la- uh, snowscapes uh, or snow-covered landscapes, but uh, these there are these three Norwegian guys. They're riding around in a in a vehicle in the snow. They're they're trying to track down some signal. One of the people in the front of the cabin is telling the driver this really lewd joke. I don't know if you guys like that. That joke was kind of off, but uh, it wasn't funny. Yeah, well, you know, s- sort of similar to your joke at the start of this. <laughs> 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 but okay i'm gonna bring it back <laughs> but uh so they're they're chasing after they're chasing after this signal and then one thing leads to another they they crash their vehicle and as they're as they're plummeting they suddenly stop but then they see uh, what's beneath them in this cavern is a spaceship they cut for they cut to another scene and it's Mary Elizabeth Winstead who plays Kate in the film and she's dissecting some fossil and this mysterious man comes in. He's played by Ulrich Thompson, who is from Banshee, one of my favorite shows of all time. Yeah. And Before he I wants from something. Yeah, well he, he wants her to come on this trip and he's quite mysterious about it. But it turns out that well these guys have uncovered this spaceship. They want to see what's there, but then there's also an organism that is trapped in the ice nearby, and then they want to see what this is because this is evidence of 
of life from outer space. Same sort of thing happens. There's a lot of there's a lot of paranoia in this film. Uh, there's uh, I don't want to reveal too much, but wait, or are we just going to reveal the whole thing? Well, again, it, guys, if you've not watched these movies, why why are you even listening? Go just turn this <laughs> off. Spend three hours watching both these movies. Come back. We'll we're always going to be here, and then enjoy the rest of the show. Like seriously. This isn't like a complete review where we just do a review of a new movie. This is a review of like which is better. So just you know, watch them, come back. Okay. Well, all right. In that case, so they excavate this crate, this creature from the ice. It's a huge block of ice. They try to take a sample of it, but in taking a sample, it then re it 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 uh, reincarnates or rejuvenates, busts out of the ice, and then starts causing havoc amongst this base. Similar thing, it, it is capable of imitating an organism perfectly. So then they start feeling the paranoia and they're not sure which one amongst them is actually housing this entity within them. A lot of sort of horror set pieces, I guess you'd call them. A lot of the body horror sort of stuff. Some truly, truly terrible CGI employed throughout the film to to show the, the, the creature. And... Yeah, it just ends. It makes I'm making it sound like I hated this movie. I, I didn't hate it. I think that it was essentially... It, it may as well have been a shot-for-shot shot remake of the original 1983 version. Or ni- sorry, mm. 1982 version. Yeah, yeah it, may, it may have been a shot-for-shot shot remake. And I, I mean, I guess because how are you going to top it? Like, how are you going to top the classicness of the of the Carpenter one? I know the Carpenter one was wasn't really well received when it first came out. No, it was a flop, wasn't it? When it came out, N- not because I'm older than you, Dan, but just purely because it, it wasn't oh, yes. it wasn't right for the time. Oh, yes, he's older than me. <laughs> I think it's only two, dude. But we're not going to get into that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was a flop when it first came out. And it only it only achieved its cult status much later. You know, people started having an appreciation for it, and like you said, yeah, when when, were, the, when 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 VHS, oh sorry, well Beta came out, right? I think that's when it was first released on, on Beta. Or was it on VHS? I'm picking VHS for this one. Yeah. Oh, you but, should know. You mean you, you came out? It came out when you were you know in your teens, so you know. <laughs> But it also had a, but it also had a very good um, DVD, um, collector's DVD. So they had like a lot of added special features in terms of behind the scenes and talks about the creature special effect, like the creature um, creature effects. Uh, just a lot of behind behind the scenes interviews. It was very comprehensive. So I think that's why mm. there was such a cult following for that. And yeah, I mean, well, this one they try to they try to evoke the similar the similar sense of paranoia and fear and you know they've got the same isolated setting you know it's out in the antarctic these people are trapped in this base there's no way of knowing when help is going to be coming the the, the setup is uh, if you watch these side by side you'll probably swear like well this is just a shot for shot remake it is so similar but I didn't really like you know you were talking about you were talking about the casting before and I apart from 
Mary Elizabeth Winstead and Kai Proctor in this one. Well, look, Joel Edgerton's in it. But everyone's really unmemorable. They all just seem like they're fodder for the entire thing. And I know that yeah, that was... Yeah, I agree cool. with that. I agree with that. There's, that, there's that, that was the same as the Kurt Russell one and the John Carpenter one. But it this the execution just wasn't nearly as good in this. And... You know, it's it's not a and it's not a terrible film. I I still enjoyed it. So like my my wife said that when we first watched this, I fell asleep and I never I never went back to it. I don't know why I I did that, but look, you know, probably tired. But I don't know why I never went back to it because when I watched it yesterday, I was like, this is actually okay. It, it's all right, but I did really hate the fact that they went CGI and in fact I remembered that when this was when they were doing teasers for it and a trailer for it and all that sort of thing the the directors were saying we went with practical effects for this but it turned out that when the movie came out it was all it was all cgi and then behind the scenes they were actually told by i think it was universal that they need to they need to reshoot so there were a lot of reshoots for this they were yeah. told that it looked too old and it's like but that's the whole point you're making a movie called the thing which is maybe a remake of the 1982 one, you know, which is lauded for the practical effects, and then they're going to be told not to do that. They're like, no, no, no just go with CGI. And then the I CGI. I think that's a problem. I think that's a problem with a lot of films. With uh, you know, when you get Hollywood executives saying, "Oh, you know, it has to be this because of that." It's it. Does, I mean, look what happened to Suicide Squad. Perfect example. The heaps of people just going in and stuffing around with that film, and then then we got that that trap of a movie. Mm. Well, yeah, but with this, the how bad did the CGI look? Come on, like I can't be the only one here. The first, the first bit. Oh no, sorry, it was the second. You know when the uh, the two guys are on the helicopter, and his face just kind of splits. It's just like, hang on, I can do it. I have an app that can actually do that now. You know, and that and that was nine. That was nine years ago, and it just shows you how how special effects have now. You can just do it at home mm. yourself. That was quite possibly the worst of, of all the CG in that movie, that just that one scene. Because, like, split screen, turned it a little bit, and he went, ah, and then they put, like, little stuff in between that. And it was just, it was shocking for a movie that's meant to be top quality and all that stuff. This, it, this looked like something that you'd get to direct to home video, that scene. It, it, sorry, Ben, you were, you were going to say? Oh, I was saying... I think what they were trying to do was give it a more organic sort of look, but I think at that point, the special effects, it's been, it, look, I mean, special effects have gone a long way, but it's just really hard to make it look real. When you see special effects in Marvel movies and things like that, you know that, oh, hey, that's not real because just the sense in terms of how people move. And I know that it was a troubled production as well. Uh, I read somewhere that the practical effects that they actually did for the movie, it all got replaced by the same company that did District 9, I think. So the people that actually did the creature effects and all that, they weren't too happy about it. And because they did create all those creatures, they decided to make their own movie from it. So the movie is actually called Heartbringer Down. So it actually has Lance Lance Hendrickson in it. So worth a watch. I think you can actually find yourself a copy on YouTube because it was crowdfunded, that movie. So uh, Heartbringer Down. Okay, I'll double for that. Sounds good. 
Yeah, like when I was when I was watching this and seeing seeing the effects, especially in the final act. So they're they're in the uh, they're in the alien craft, and Mary Elizabeth Winstead's being stalked by this being stalked by this creature. It looked like a two thousands video game cutscene, and a lot a lot of it just felt that way. It felt that. You know, th- this really should have just appeared in a video game instead. And well, it's it funny, they really... actually did make a video game of it too. They did. They definitely did. I, I never played it, but apparently it was okay. But uh, with this, the you didn't get that feel. Like you, you didn't get that feel where it was quite real with the uh, with the you know with the practical effects in Carpenter's film. This one, like it, it just felt very, very generic, very and very hollow. Yeah, I'm not saying though that that there weren't some significant beats in it that were pretty good. There were actually some there were some genuinely I thought scary moments, and I mean even one of them it was it was so simple. It was just when the alien busted out of the ice early earlier on in the piece. Jump scare, yeah, jump scare. Yeah, I mean jump scares are fine. Like it didn't rely on jump scares the whole way through, like some like most films these days are, are want to do, but it. <sighs> just there was just something about it that that just it, it, it really lacked a lot of oomph to it you know like it, it, to elevate it into into something that becomes like more must watch this is just this is just something that would help pass the time yeah let me throw this spanner in the works because we're watching this now in 2020 as opposed to 2011 do you reckon at the time we'd be saying something completely different like maybe the cgi maybe cgi that we thought back then this was high tech like honestly for me i i i if i saw it back back in the day i think i reckon i'd still be feeling exactly the same way i'm feeling now but how do you guys feel about that oh uh, i to, to be honest when i first saw it i i had the same vibes as i watched robocop i mean i liked it i just didn't like it as much as i did with the original just because how much appreciation and love I had for the original, like like I said, one of my favorite, well, my favorite John Carpenter movie, and yeah, I think it's hard to create that sense of dread, and at the same time, the base was a Norwegian base, but there was a lot of Americans in there, and I liked the fact that there was a lot of distrust for each other because they did not understand what they were like in terms of speaking different languages. They don't know what they were saying. So I like that aspect of it. But in terms of, I think they went, they did too much. It's like, for example, the special effects, like the visual effects in particular, like that spaceship scene, I think that was a bit too much. I don't think they needed all that stuff for, for like a final showdown. I think they could have made it simple uh, to it, but yeah, like when I got into it, it was hard to know whether it was like a shot for shot remake or it was something more than that. Was it a sequel, prequel? Well, you find out later on what it was, but I won't reveal too much about it. Oh, we, we um, go into anyway, so. Oh, uh, okay. But <laughs> anyway, and th- these are pretty talented actors. I mean, Joel. Edgerton I really like as well. Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Yeah. The guy that played Carl Proctor, I forgot his name. Uh, Ulrich Thompson. Yeah, it was good as well. And 
yeah, they had some pretty good actors in that. But I don't know. At the same time, maybe even the original one, I think it was more believable. Maybe because, I guess, everybody seemed like your blue-collar type of workers. But these guys, I don't know. Something about it, I don't know. That's fair enough. Well, we've pretty much gone through all, all the things we need to talk about on that. I was I was just going to say, I really liked Mary Elizabeth Winstead in this. She, she's, you know, she's moved on to do some decent work. I mean, Dan, you mentioned Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Fell in love with her because of that. But also she did 10 Cloverfield Lane, which is oh, a, you know, an yeah. exercise, you know, a, a real exercise in isolation and paranoia. And it was done very effectively. But I, I really, I really think that with this, if this movie had been a hit, because it was, it was, it bombed. It, it, it did not make back, you know, its its production costs. But if this movie had been a hit, she very well could be cast as as Ripley. I reckon, I reckon she would make. There would be a convincing case to have her as Ripley. You know, just the just the mere fact that she was wielding a flamethrower in this, I was like, oh man, this just this just reminds me of Aliens. You know, that thought never crossed my mind, but thinking about it now, yeah, that's a really good idea. Like, if they ever did a an Alien remake or whatever, because now Disney owns it, we don't know what's going to happen <laughs> with the Alien franchise right now. Um, yeah, she'd be perfect, absolutely perfect. Neil Blomkamp was meant to do was meant to do a, 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 a continuation of the series. He even had some drawings done up of, of Hicks with the... You know, his face showing um, scarring from being burnt by acid. Ripley was meant to be in it. I can't remember if Newt was going to be in it, but it was basically going to just continue from Aliens and ignore every other Alien film from there. Yeah. And I mean, Sigourney Weaver would have been amazing to bring back, but if they were to ever, if they were to ever do a reboot of Alien or Aliens, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, I think she would, I think she would be, she would be awesome in that. Yeah. I think she went the indie route, though. I think she went the indie route and made a few indie movies afterwards. And then, but she was also in season three of Fargo as well, which was uh, really, well, she was really good in that. She, she was, she was, she was one of my. I think she was probably my favorite part of Birds of Prey recently. Who was she in Birds of Prey? Huntress. I gotta watch that again. I. <laughs> I don't know, like, I, Birds of Prey just didn't do it for me, and it, it's just not memorable, so I'll, I'll have to watch it again to see. <laughs> so, are we are we going to talk about the ending to this 2011 film? Oh, yeah. Did we talk about the ending to the other one? We did not yet. Like I, I think we'll. I think let's 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 cover let's this off first. This we've, one. Got, we've got a, a bit more that we can unpack with with the eighty two one. But now, did you got did you when did you guys sense that it was going to be a prequel to uh, Carpenters, or did you not? Or did you not see it coming? No, I already knew that. Oh, you already? Oh, because you read the the thing. I think. Oh, this is this is taking me back. But when this movie when this movie came out, I think it was, I think it was marketed so. Either that or reviews had said that this is a prequel to the thing. Okay, because I've always known it to be a remake. I didn't. I I had no idea it was a prequel until a certain scene. Oh well. Well, I mean, last night when when I decided to rewatch these, I chose to watch this one first, knowing that it was it, it was set before the the 82 film 
Yeah. I I liked how they did it though. Like, cause so with the ending, they've got the showdown with Kai Proctor, <laughs> and you know he gets blown up in the spaceship. Mary Elizabeth Winstead, Joel Edgerton, they make their way out. Well, and they're about to, they're, they're getting into the Bobcat. They're going to drive off, but then she noticed something is amiss and it's quite subtle. And, you know, it goes back to all their research as to how this creature is able to perfectly mimic any organism, but they're not able to mimic things that aren't organic. So, you know, f- for example, they were, they were trying to test to see who was who. And the most basic thing they could think of was who had fillings. If you had a filling, then it, the, the thing wouldn't be able to replicate that. She sees that he doesn't have his earring, decides, yep, yeah, okay, you're, you're definitely not you anymore. So burns him alive. And then, it, you know, she hops into the, the next bobcat and, you know, camera's just on her face. And it's like, you know, a very haunted look on her face, cuts to black. But then when you hear the familiar John Carpenter uh, theme from 82, you then start seeing some scenes play out mid credits and, you know, like per each, each person's name that is mentioned, then it'll, it'll reveal more. And it turns out that it segues into the 82 film. So Lars is the sole survivor. You see one of the other dudes who I think slit his throat or slit his wrists. Slit his throat. Okay. So he slit his throat and that, that person's body was seen in the 82 film. That's right. Then someone else flies a helicopter down. Lars tells him we need we need to go. So they start chasing after the husky because now the thing is in the husky. Then that segues into the the eighty two film. And look, I I don't have any issues with it. I I've seen this before. They've done this for Rogue One most recently. Rogue One had that ending that would segue it into a New Hope. Yeah, but we knew that was going to happen though. That's that's. That was a given. Like most people who probably saw this didn't realize it was, it was the um the prequel. Like for me, it was it was when the the plane landed and I looked at it and went, why have I seen this before? You know the, the, that plane, and I was like plane or the the helicopter. Oh sorry sorry helicopter helicopter. When the other guy who the survivor came out and he had the same the same clothes, that's when I went, is this a is this a prequel? And then when I saw the dog, I went oh my god, it is a prequel. That, that freaked me out. I was like, okay. That, that And then I had to rewatch it today and I could see the elements of what was meant to, you know, what they were trying to get through with the with the, with the original. And I was like, okay, that, it kind of works, but it kind of contradicts itself a lot as well. Um, because, like, you see compute, the, the computers they had in this movie as opposed to the computers they had in Carpenter's one. It's just like, that doesn't make sense. But, you know, it is what it is. Uh, it's, look, I mean, it's fan service. I mean, when I saw it, I had no idea until the end when the credits started showing and you hear John Carpenter's uh, theme, uh, well, the original theme from the 1982 movie. And just touching on Rogue One, similar thing as well. Like how you knew it was going to be a prequel before A New Hope, but seeing Princess Leia at the end, you knew that it was a fan service thing and that was great. But not yeah. nearly as great where Darth Vader just butchers everyone in that hallway leading up to that spaceship. That was that, sick. Man, that was dumb. Was yeah. that, that was an epic beatdown. Savage. Yeah. yeah. So, I, um, I, yeah, I, I need to rewatch. I'm going to rewatch that tonight. tonight. <laughs> I can't believe I just said savage. I'm turning into a millennial. Jeez. Oh, kill well, me. You seem, to, you seem to identify yourself as one. No. 
I'm not a millennial. I don't say lit. I don't say. Uh, I can't, nah. I'm not a millennial. I'm a Gen Y. <laughs> 1982. John Carpenter's thing. Is it cool? Definitely. Oh, That's a dude. stupid question to even ask. Yeah. That. Yeah. <laughs> That definitely is a very cool hey, film. Our and listeners and our viewers want to know what we think, and we have to ask the question, okay? It's just business. I think, like what Empire said, it's required viewing. And I was I was even trying to get a friend to watch it because they'd never seen it. And, that well, the friend was saying, oh, look, I'm, I'm scared of horror movies. And I'm like, okay, well, look, this is a character-building experience. <laughs> it's a must. It is absolutely necessary that you watch this movie. Did that friend did, did that friend end up watching it with you? No, no, we're dude, we're all in lockdown. We're not watching movies with oh, any okay. of our I friends. Thought, I, thought, I thought this was like <laughs> a long time ago. I thought I didn't realize it was. No, 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 no. But but apart from this person who I recommended to recently, anyone else that I told about this, they've watched it and they all they all agree it it's incredible. It, it is something that you really need to check out, and up to now it just holds up. There's so there's so many little things to it that I love that I haven't even been able to talk about in this yet. But you know, even the way that it's framed, you know, did you notice that like it was it was scene by scene, it would it would close off with a fade to black and then it would yeah. cut to the next scene. It was I just see that. incredible, like just like li- these little vignettes leading into each scene and and escalating. And oh man, the music, the the effects, the oh, it's it's one of the all-time greats and it's criminal that john carpenter didn't get to do better films after this i mean look that's not that's discounting big trouble in little china because that is also an, a classic they live another good classic they live yes but the fact that he couldn't he couldn't move on to more pop he actually lost work as a result of this did he yeah, so like he he was lined up to direct something but then they took him off because of how bad this movie bombed but yeah, it is it is definitely a very cool picture, and I'm interesting. I'm I'm glad I'm glad that we got to rewatch it. It's it's it should be a movie that I should rewatch regularly. And yeah, it's I don't think I don't think it was I don't think 2011 was going to be able to beat it. Ben, look, one of my favorite John Carpenter movies, just in terms of the visual effects and just certain scenes that sticks to you for. I guess the rest of your life. There's just iconic moments when it comes to scary scenes. I'm not going to ruin it too much for you. I think we already mentioned a spider head scene, but there's also a, a scene where someone is resuscitated and there's this, yeah, something happens. Not oh man, that still haunts that. me. The, with the paddles? Yeah. The related bit? Oh my God. I, oh. You know, I, I forgot about that one until I yeah. saw it again last night. I was like, oh, wait, wait, wait. I think I know. I think I know. <laughs> Yeah, it still scares me. Like it's just because the teeth and oh, just oh, oh it's in, yeah. it's incredible. It, yeah, yeah. That, I think just how unexpected it is. It just comes out of nowhere, and the build up and the tension where in terms of yeah, when they're doing the tests, like they're all tied up together and they're doing that blood test with the hot wire. I mean, you don't know who's who, and then when one of them is the thing and you're like oh man everybody's tripping balls everybody's freaking out they're screaming as a person next to them just turning into the thing 
That was great. <laughs> and also at the same time, the flamethrower not working, you're like, oh man, oh man, oh. Yeah, that's mental. <laughs> so yeah, the, yeah, the malfunctioning at, at just the right moment, you're like, oh man, this is like you know nail biting. Yeah, they all would they would have survived if that idiot just didn't didn't froze up in fear and just go with it. But yeah, and it was the perfect ending because at the end, it's uh, yeah, yeah, because you don't know. Well, the thing was, they killed the the big creature at the end. There was there's two left, and there's also one person missing, and you don't know what happened to that other person. So I'm not gonna say which character it is. But at the end, those two characters, you don't know who if they are the thing or not. So, And mm. it was the perfect ending because it was so bleak and they're both just so tired. And I, I thought it was just the perfect way to end it. Yeah. I think um, that... I, yeah. Are, are we... Are you going to do this? Oh, I was going to say, I, I think it's cool. Uh, I... It's been, I've, seen it, I've seen it at least once every couple of years. It still scares the living crap out of me, especially the that's that that scene with the paddles. Uh, but yeah, it's still cool. Um, what I one thing I did find out because uh, I watched the original, the thing from another world today. I love the fact that the opening credits uh, when they show you the thing, it's exactly the same format and done exactly the same way as uh, the thing from another world. So if you guys ever get a chance to watch it, you'll see that. And I was like, wow, that's a great callback. And it looks like, even though the, the old movie is in black and white, it still like looks cool with that with that font. So th- that was a really good callback. And I think Carpenter did that int- uh, intentionally because, you know, sort of wanted to pay homage to that. Even though th- that film is completely different to what we watched. Yeah, so like, uh, what are our thoughts on 2011's one overall? I think it's cool. Wow. Okay. I, 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 Out of five? I'll give it a three. Okay. Why give it a three? It's one of those ones that I, 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 I can sit, I can sit, sit back and just enjoy it. There's nothing, exception of the CGI, there's nothing really I didn't like about this movie. I liked the story. I liked um, the elements of it. And I, I, I just, I, I just, I just liked the film. I, I, I can't really say any, anything else. I just liked it. I really did. I think it was, I think it was serviceable. I, I again, I don't know why I didn't, I didn't finish it off when, when I first tried to watch it because you know I found myself liking quite a few things about the 2011 one. I, I, you know, I asked myself this question: Is it a good companion piece to the 82 film? And in, in some ways it is, in some ways, I think, but in, in many ways, I also think it isn't. I, I just found myself, um, well, I just found it too similar, you know, like they it retread the same story, had the same structure, you know, just transplanted to a different base and a different cast. And you know, like how with certain films, it'll, it'll have some things that they drop and then you're like, oh, I wonder what that could be. You know, I at the end of it, I just found myself. Well, look, I know this is a prequel. I don't, I didn't really need to know what happened to the Norwegians. I think I liked that it was, it was, it was purposely kept as a mystery in Carpenter's film, and seeing how it played out, and it was n- near identical in how it played out. You know, it, it then led me to think, well, yeah, this this wasn't actually a necessary film at all. It doesn't, it doesn't expand greatly 
on on the mythology and you know it, it didn't need to be it didn't need to be redone because you, you can't capture that lightning in a bottle a second time so well, that's fair yeah. I'll, I'll, and, give it that. I'll, I'll give you that i'll give you that i mean i can't I, last night proved that i can watch them back to back i can i can watch the 2011 one and follow it up with the 82 one and and it flows it's okay but if i would pick one i'd i'd always go with the carpenter one but with this i'd probably i'd I could I could give it a miss, or I could have it in the background and not really pay attention, you know. Like, yeah. So I'd give I'd give this I'd actually give this one a two out of five, even though I even though I really liked Mary Elizabeth Winstead in it, and and some of the some of the jump scares were quite effective. But yeah, I I could definitely I, I could definitely just ignore it. Okay, that's fair enough. Uh, ben. Yeah, I would give it a three as well. Like I said, it wasn't amazing, but at the same time. It was it was something I did go and watch it. I watched at the cinema, and I enjoyed myself. But then I did. I would say it was inferior to the original film. I think you touched. You guys touched on most of the points I was going to say as well. It wasn't necessary um, in terms of having to make that movie. It didn't expand on the universe in terms of. Well, I guess I tried to do it with the whole alien spaceship thing, but it didn't really tell me anything more i think they didn't really do anything new really i think there was a there were a few scenes in this film where they try to use to explain why there were certain corpses in the original uh norwegian base which i guess was kind of cool but other than that yeah i think it didn't really do too much for it i think yeah i think what was good about the original it was almost a doomsday sort of situation that if this thing managed to escape the base, the whole world's going to be doomed because it can take any form or shape and it could spread from person or take it over could people. Multiply. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, the, the computer, the computer predicted that in 27 hours, if it escaped, it would completely infect the world. And that it, was, what was, it was very, it was very doom and gloom. And I think that's what's so good about uh, the original yeah, there was a lot of things at stake. Yeah. Yeah. I just want I just want to add that that Kurt Russell breaking that chess wizard machine. Well, he he just destroyed his only video game. What an what an <laughs> idiot move. But I did like I did like how he just said cheating bitch. <laughs> oh, Kurt Russell, you are the man. <laughs> We have to make sure that when we when we when we release this, we have to tag him in in Twitter and see if he actually listens to this bit. Kurt, you are awesome. <laughs> Please do a big trouble in Little China too. <laughs> oh yeah, oh man, how good would that be? My mate Ewan and I we used to we used to talk about and this is probably on on a couple of our drunken nights out. But he goes, Timmy, I think if we're going to do a sequel, we're going to have to talk to Carpenter. And we're going to have to call it Big Trouble in Big China. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I did his accent any justice, so I'm really sorry, Yui. <laughs> but Big Trouble in Big China, I'm down for that. <laughs> that'd be good. That'd, that'd be really good. Um, we just got to address the elephant in the room when it comes to the ending of Carpenters. Was Charles the alien? 
What if we do a three, two, one, and then we just say the name? Because we've only got we've only got two survivors in this scene, so McCready and Childs. Okay. Three, two, and then three, two, one. We all just say which one we think. All right, count it down, Tim. Okay, three, two, one. Childs. Childs. None of them were. <laughs> <laughs> all right, no, that's fine. No, but that, that was that was what was intended. You know, they intended for it to be super ambiguous, and you know, like. I'm only thinking that it was Childs because when I was watching, I was taking notes and I thought he's coming across as a lot more monotone than, than he has been throughout the movie. So he's the one that drops like the multiple F-bombs and, you know, he's, he's quite fiery, you know, as a character. But then when he and, he and McCready encounter each other, he's like, you know, just you know, droning out what he's saying. And I just mm. thought, yeah, okay, like... I I could I think an argument could be made that he may have already been taken over. That's a good observation. And what happened to Knowles as well? I don't even remember that character to be honest. He, he was a, one of the last four people. One of them you see the Blair monster that actually yeah the, you see one of the Blair. Is he He's the, the dude one on that... the roller skates? Yes. Yes. I think yeah. So the cook. Yeah. I yeah. yeah. See like. Yeah, I, I thought he know, was. Like... I thought he was. I thought he was at one point, and that you know, because like when he escaped, uh, and sorry, when he got when he when he, when he met up with everybody else again, you know, he's he's acting weird, and it's like, oh, it's McCready, it's McCready. And how did you know it was McCready? You know. Mm. So I got a feeling that he he may have been infected as well. Yeah, like when he disappeared, like I just thought that he got absorbed into the into the main creature, and you know, like he ended up being part of this Akira-like entity. And yeah, I mean, like, oh, man, the image of that is just so disgusting. Like, you know, it sprouts like multiple heads, tentacles. That's ah, awesome. Thanks, Tim. I'm not going to sleep tonight. Jeez. Oh God, you're such a you're such a wuss. I was going to say worse, but <laughs> <laughs> there's a reason why I watch this during the day because then, you know, I'm not going to, oh gosh. Oh, man. Come on, man. It's character building. Oh yeah. Yeah. You're like my cousin who, who confronted his fear and says that he watches the conjuring two every night before he goes to sleep. Oh man. No, don't, don't, no, no. I can't watch that one. I, oh, <laughs> okay. That I one. think that, I think that is one of our next episodes there. We no, have to talk about not. the conjuring series. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got only, the only reason why I got through that movie is because the nun in it, I kept saying to myself, okay, it's just Marilyn Manson in a creepy nun's outfit. That's all it is, you know? <laughs> and you like Marilyn Manson's music, just just go with it. And I managed to get through it, but I had nightmares for weeks after that. And I'm not watching <laughs> that again. <laughs> well, I think I think maybe, well, maybe we better call it a night then, just just so you can you can calm yourself down. Oh, you gosh. Know, listen to some of that Enya you love. Enya. <laughs> 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 oh, I can't do it. <laughs> anyway, well, that's a, that's all the time we have for this episode of What If It's Cool. Make sure to follow us on Anchor, Spotify, Breakup, Overcast, Pocketcast, Radio Public, and of course iTunes. And if you're watching on YouTube, make sure you hit that subscribe button, hit us a like, and uh, share this with all your friends and family. And uh, tweet us at What If It's Cool. Find us on Facebook at What If It's Cool Podcast. And until next time, we'll see you then. <laughs>